Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, weirdos. Episode number 30. Woohoo! <laughs> I don't know if you're excited, but I'm excited. I'm excited. It's our 30th episode. Yeah, and this is also going to be our very first uh, special episode. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, we're doing it a little different for the 30th episode, and it's also the last episode of the year. Is it is correct? the last mm-hmm. episode of the year, and also Merry Belated Christmas. Merry belated Christmas. Everybody, or happy Christmas yeah. to our friends across the pond. Yeah, merry belated holiday season yes. to everyone. Oh, there we go. Be a little bit more inclusive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for this episode, it's a little bit different. I It's my episode this week. I tried to get Andrew. I was like, oh, it's the 30th episode. Why don't we split it? Why don't we like work on an episode together and... He was like, "Okay, I'll do that with you if you if you still if you do another episode next week." And I was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> that wasn't the point. The point was for me to do less work. And he as is on. always the case. As is the case, and he caught on really quick. So I'm doing a special episode without him <laughs> because apparently there's no point <laughs> to, to having you be a part of my episode. Your dedication to laziness <laughs> is so admirable. Like I wish I was dedicated to like anything in my life. I mean, maybe I guess our marriage I'm, I'm that dedicated to. But I, I, I don't know, though. It's kind of a toss-up. Like, oh you're God. that dedicated being, like, kind of lazy. Wow. I feel like <laughs> that's your um, Puritan ancestors talking <laughs> yeah. for you. Being like, work, suffer. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> Be unhappy. Whereas... My constant mental health exhaustion is like, just lay here for a little while. <laughs> what type of accent is that? I don't know. That's what it talks to me oh, in okay. a voice like that. It's not um, concerning at all. No. So for this episode, I'm just going to jump into it a little bit. Okay. I'm doing something different. I Since we just celebrated Christmas yesterday. It's yesterday. We're recording this on the 26th. We celebrated Christmas yesterday. Um, I'm doing five Christmas traditions with pagan roots. Okay, nice. Yeah. So it's a very merry pagan Christmas for us all. Oh, snap. Making Christmas pagan again. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to be funny. God. (laughs) No sense of humor. (laughs) So before I jump into these, our, our traditions that, you know, many of us, those who celebrate Christmas or just enjoy the Christmas holiday season... Um, many of the traditions we have, like mm-hmm. I was looking into, it, I was like, oh my God, it's like everything. So I had to narrow it down to five. Right. Many of them are rooted in um, pagan traditions. And before jumping into it, I did want to define what I mean by pagan. Um, it's a broad term used to describe a wide variety of groups right. from ancient Romans to ancient Celtic people, Norse Vikings. Nice. Um, I like all of those. Yeah. All really cool people who practiced essentially polytheism, the does, belief in many gods. Gotcha. And does that include indigenous folks here in the Americas? Yeah, I believe it does. Um, I included it in this episode. Okay. Um, unsurprisingly, pagan is a Christian term, which really for a long time held the connotation of quote unquote like heathen or ungodly, mm. 
right? Because their beliefs were different than the Christian power that was rising. Right, right, right. I do not mean, we do not mean pagan in a derogatory, crusader, creepy way at all. Well, absolutely not. <laughs> For the purposes of this episode, I'm just defining it as ancient polytheistic peoples and mm -hmm. their traditions and beliefs. Usually in day-to-day -day conversation, pagan actually does not have a negative connotation with us. It's probably the opposite. It's more of a probably a positive connotation. Yeah, and, and it's essentially to me, pagan, honestly, this isn't like... Um, an official definition or anything, mm -hmm. but I essentially see it as just the way our, all of our human ancestors lived. Yeah, right. Um, which was really, again, believing in multiple gods, um, having a real affinity to nature and the seasons and just the way the world functions as, as like a, a living being, like the world mm -hmm. as a living being. So I see it as a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah, and as we jump in, mm -hmm. I gotta say it all started with the winter solstice. Oh yeah, here we go. So we celebrate Christmas at the end of December, not because this is when Jesus was born. Biblical scholars actually estimate his birth may have been in September. Oh, yeah. I've always heard March for some reason. Or March. I don't know. I really didn't look into it that much. It just wasn't December. It just wasn't December. Yeah. For sure. Actually, something that I did see in my research that I thought was interesting was that the the dudes that wrote the gospel, mm -hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes. Um, Stephanie went to Catholic school, y'all. I did not. <laughs> yeah. Those homies, they weren't really concerned when they were writing down the gospels. They weren't concerned with... Um, documenting time wow. so you you won't find if you look at the gospels you they're not dating this they're not like on april 2nd or in spring even they don't mark time really i don't know why that's so frustrating they're just telling the story of what happened yeah okay um, and they're often all telling the same story but from a different perspective and none of them are referencing what time it is. <laughs> oh my god, what is wrong with them? But, but we, so we don't really know. Um, the source I saw was September, but I also did grow up hearing springtime. Right, yeah. Was the birth of Jesus. But that's not why we celebrate Christmas in December. Mm -hmm. It's actually because of the ancient Romans, the Celtics, the Norse, the Druids, the Mayans, the Aztecs, and likely nice. many more people who all had celebrations, rites, and rituals surrounding the winter solstice. Nice. Mm -hmm. In the Northern Hemisphere, the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, and annually it falls on December 21st. If you think back to our ancient ancestors, this would have been an important date in their lives because it marked the end of the year's harvest. Nice. So less time working the fields and more time eating and celebrating with your community. With less farming in the winter, obviously, because it's cold, many pagan cultures use this as a time to worship and celebrate their gods and to keep entertained during the darker, colder days. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was so like intuitive and sweet. Like They're not out working as much. Think of how... Well, you were just mentioning this to me the other day. How much our society used to be really dependent on agriculture. Yeah. And theirs was. Their whole world was surrounded by agriculture and farming. And so this is a time where there's literally less work to do. Mm -hmm. So they're like, how do we keep entertained? Yeah, I think... So this was the one of the most insane statistics I've ever heard in my life. It was up until the 20th century that um, 
over 50% of the world's population, or working population, mm-hmm. I should say, was involved in the agricultural field. And it didn't dip below 50%, you know, until the 20th century. And that was the first time ever in, like, recorded human history. That's insane yeah. to think about. So in ancient times, it was probably well over, I don't know, like 80%. I'm, well I'm over. just I'm making it up, but it would have been a vast majority. Most people would have had some stake in the agricultural industry. Absolutely. Like even, and like the Romans did this, they're the most famous for doing this, but the, I know Ptolemy, Ptolemaic Egyptians did this and a lot of other um, cultures as well as like soldiers that would be, you know, professional soldiers, they'd still receive like a plot of land, you know, once, mm-hmm. you know, they, oh, yeah. you know, they did a certain, hit a certain milestone, whether that was like a service number of years or, you know, or whatever, right? It was like their bonus. Or a campaign, yeah, or a bonus. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of just all over the place. But, like, it was usually tied to land and, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the crops being on that land, right? It's interesting because we think of land as very valuable now as as millennials, as young millennials, we're often told the importance of investing in property and things like that. But it's right. for a different reason for them that land literally meant food for your family. Right? Yeah, fruits, uh, sheep. All that good stuff. Yeah. You needed land. It's just so interesting to me as I was thinking about a lot of these Christmas traditions are tied to nature and to land and agriculture. Just how different our world is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that is why we celebrate Christmas in December. We <laughs> got so off cool. a little bit, but it's yeah. really cool. Um, so the first pagan tradition that I'm going to talk about is Christmas carols. Christmas carols? Those pagan Christmas carols are joyous Christmas songs, for those who don't know, (laughs) who are sung in a group of folks walking around town or in a church choir. Some examples are Joy to the World and Oh Holy Night. Right, and these are the things that Ebenezer Scrooge do not like. He did not like it when people were singing carols at the beginning of the play. Right, my humbug. He was pissed. My humbug. And we often see them. I, you know, we both grew up in Southern California. I grew up in Los Angeles, big city. Um, I've never witnessed, like, in the United States Christmas caroling. But in Mexico, my mom is from Mexico, and when I've celebrated Christmas there, we do Las Posadas, which is oh. like the two weeks before Christmas, and, and we do do this on Noche Buena, Christmas Eve. People go around and sing mm-hmm. to your neighbor's homes, and when you're done singing, like a group of you, your neighbors invite you inside for food and drink. Oh, that's really cool, actually. Which I think is like the old-timey thing that we think of um, in the English-speaking world as well, but we right. mostly see it in movies. Yeah. So the origin of Christmas carols actually comes from pagan agricultural beliefs that singing songs as you passed through the fields would drive away evil spirits and promote a good harvest. I love that thought process. Isn't that lovely? It is. Then folks started singing these same songs amongst their villages to ward off the same evil spirits and bring good wishes to different households in return for food or drink. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, you'd go around and sing, and as a thank you for warding off the evil spirits, they'd invite you in for a drink. So this is where we get that famous song line at the end of that Christmas carol song. Now bring us some figgy pudding, now bring us some figgy pudding. Because we still have the tradition. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I know. <laughs> we, that was awesome, though. We still have the tradition of rewarding carolers mm. with a treat, right? Right. But that comes from literally, like, genuinely, authentically thanking someone for bringing the, a good harvest to them. 
Just so beautiful to think about. That is really cool. I had no idea. Did you ever go Christmas caroling? I did, yes. But it was not what? to ward off evil spirits, believe it or not. That sounds lame. I know. It is a little lame looking back. Did you you Christmas caroled in Orange County? Yeah. When? Why? Like, I, I'm confused at how to answer this. We never Christmas caroled in LA. I've never seen it. Yeah, I definitely remember Christmas caroling. Not like a lot, but I, I did it. I saw people doing it. That's so like in interesting. Our, it, you know, like where I grew up, it's like it's a very titan. suburban. It's very suburban. Suburban. Suburbery. It's a new brand. It's a new clothing brand. Suburuburbery. <laughs> oh my God, Suburuburbery. I'm sorry. I'm okay, guys. I was okay. saying suburban. Suburban, yes. So it is very suburban. Uh, very like, like insular community. I don't yes. know how else to describe it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think growing up, there was a lot of, um, like, you know, kids around the same age, right? Around yeah. my, Roughly around my age. And so, you know, we somehow, some way, we'd all get organized and go out doing it. Was it the children or the adults as well? No, I mean, the adults were the ones organizing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. I swear I thought that Americans just didn't do it because the only time I ever did it was in Mexico. Yeah. No, I just think we live up, we live, you know, grew up in a different... Very different environments, even right. though super physically close to each other yeah so interesting so the next christmas tradition yes that has wonderful pagan roots is the use of poinsettias or nochebuenas as christmas decor and those are the plants with the red leaves mm-hmm. yes as i mentioned nochebuena earlier when i was talking about my family and caroling nochebuena is a spanish word that means good night like the good night Mm-hmm. And that's what we call Christmas Eve. That's cool. So poinsettias are now used all over the world as Christmas decor. It's a bright red flower, like you said, in the shape of a star, kind of. Yeah, I guess it is. That blooms from a shrub, and that shrub can grow anywhere from 2 to 16 feet tall. They can go really big. What? Yeah, isn't that nice? I've never seen one like six. I've never seen one like 5 feet tall, <laughs> let alone like 16 feet tall. I want to go see them. Yeah, seriously. The poinsettia plant grows wild in tropical forests down the Pacific coast of Mexico to Guatemala. Oh, cool. And in its earliest recorded history, the poinsettia plant was used by the Aztec nation. The Aztec name is Cuetlazochi, and they used the flower to produce a red dye and as a fever reduction medication. They would boil oh. the, the, the red leaves. That's pretty cool. I know. I, I wonder if that works. Um, yeah. The plant wasn't actually associated with Christmas time uh, at all until the 16th century in Mexico, where it again was called Nochebuena. So the Spanish slash Mexican slash Christian legend <laughs> of Nochebuena flower goes like this. Oh, I'm excited. A little girl in Mexico was sad that she was too poor to afford a gift to bring for Jesus on his birthday celebration at the church. Mm-hmm. So my idea here is that they were bringing symbolic presents for baby Jesus to the church. So she's really sad that she couldn't do that, but she was visited by an angel. And this angel told her to collect grasses and weeds by the side of the road and put them in front of an altar at the village church. Upon doing this, the weeds and grass miraculously transformed into deep red blossoms of immaculate Nochebuena flowers. Aww. The parable tells that the red color of the Nochebuena blossom 
represents the blood from Jesus's crucifixion because they always got to go there. I was just about to say it definitely represents the blood. <laughs> it's always blood. Always the blood. <laughs> and the star shape of the leaf is meant to represent the star of Bethlehem. Um, and this story is what inspired Mexican Franciscan monks to be like, oh, snap, this is our number one Christmas decor now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they incorporate the Noche Buena flower into everything, essentially, and it really spreads throughout Mexico as as this symbol of Christmas time. Um, and Tasco, Mexico is a town. You Google, Google, it's spelled Taxco, you guys. Like taxes, then co. Yeah, Tasco, Mexico. Um, poinsettias. All right, got Taxco poinsettias. You Google that. <laughs> yeah, I love how like in order to like Americanize your like your your Mexican accent when you speak Spanish, you have to like speak like a Southerner. <laughs> like know. I'm like, where does that come from? Taxco poinsettias, and um, I don't know why I do that. It's not on purpose. Yeah. And they have the most beautiful displays of these flowers for Christmas time in front of the churches and things like that. So, that is where we get the Noche Buena flower. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's that like my, story. my favorite Christmas decor. It is. They're beautiful. Yeah. And some of them are white. So, I don't know yeah, how know. they tie into the blood story, but the they're really pretty. White blood. White blood. Purity, probably. Oh, God. That, that, that sounds really bad. It probably means purity, though. Yeah. Okay. It's true. That's yeah. what, yeah. Blood yeah. is always red stuff. Blood and purity. They're really into those things. Um, <laughs> I know, that just sounds so bad. <laughs> I agree. Uh, but speaking of plants, number oh, nice. Ah, uh, uh, nice transition. Yeah, very good. Number three is the mistletoe plant. Oh, okay. So today, the tradition of mistletoe is a symbol of romance around Christmas time. Wow, chicka, wow, wow. Oh my gosh, we hang it up. In our homes, and if a pair are found beneath the mistletoe, they are supposed to kiss. And refusing a kiss beneath the mistletoe is actually bad luck. Oh, Jennifer Aniston in that one episode of Friends refused <gasps> the guy, the maintenance guy. Oh, snap. Bad luck. Well, she, she had bad luck, yeah. She has a very poor love life for she, the, most of the show. I know. So there you go, you guys. That's proof. That is scientific evidence. Science, bitch. That you should not refuse a kiss beneath the mistletoe unless you don't want to kiss someone because you have every right to not do that. But that was really good, babe. That thank really you. Good. Yeah. But before the kissing tradition began, lots of cultures, again from the ancient Romans, they're oh. gonna they're gonna keep popping up, you guys. We got yeah. a lot of our stuff. From My them. boys in ancient Rome. Woohoo! To the Druids, <laughs> they had really interesting beliefs about mistletoe specifically. Interesting. Okay. In ancient Rome, mistletoe honored the agricultural god Saturn. And they celebrated Saturnalia uh, in mid-December with lots of festivals and feasts, right? Yeah. It's so a good time. It was a good time. So to keep Saturn happy... Oh, and that's similar to how we do Las Posadas around the same time. Mm -hmm. So to keep Saturn happy, Romans would perform fertility rituals beneath the mistletoe, which is exactly what you think it is. Oh, so they got they made it like X-rated. <laughs> it was X-rated. It was not a kiss. Man, the Romans, they were... <laughs> They knew like they knew how to conquer and they knew how to have a good time. They they were real. They had like three skills they were really good at, and I'm not yeah. going to name them all. <laughs> I guess you can't. This is a family friendly podcast. Very family friendly. But a druids had a more PG perspective on mistletoe. They believed it was a representative of peace. So Aww. in times of war, 
If enemies were to meet under mistletoe that they found in the forest, they would have to drop their weapons and form a truce until the next day. Wow, that's pretty cool. So if you're fighting someone in the woods, it's like a cool epic battle, but you guys are standing under some mistletoe, that was like a sign from the gods that you needed to practice peace And then the fan fiction of that is takes it to the Roman version of the X-rated. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I can just see it now. But as you can see, what I think is interesting, a lot of this has to do, like even the carols had to do with farming. A lot of our traditions have to do with plants. Agriculture. Yeah, because I mean, you lived and died off the the crops you produce. Isn't that crazy? It's so nuts. It's so nuts to think about. Number four is a little bit different, but it's gift giving. Nice. So today, gift giving is one of the biggest parts of celebrating Christmas. Yeah. And um, I thought this tradition must have come from the tale of the three wise men. Oh, yeah. Who each brought gifts to the newborn baby Jesus, right? But I was wrong. Oh. We're back to the Roman pagans. My boys! Let's go! (laughs) Gift giving at this time of year seems to have originated with the festival of Sigillaria on December 23rd. Oh, okay. When markets were set up to sell sigilia, sig- sigila, what do you think? Uh, sigila. It, sigila. Yeah, sigila. Pottery and candles to represent offerings to Saturn. And this day, because Saturnalia was right before, it just became absorbed with the Saturnalia festivals and traditions. Mm-hmm. So Romans would exchange gifts with one another on the 23rd. For good luck, for good harvest, for good crops. Yeah. But what was really interesting was that it started off as like one-on-one, right? Like you and one other person knew you were going to be exchanging a gift for mm-hmm. Saturnalia and you would do it on the 23rd. But as as this tradition went on and, and passed down through generations, they were very American in a way. <laughs> and that it, <laughs> it became really over the top and everyone was just buying everyone presents and people would go into debt, like buying... They're Saturnalia gifts for each oh, other. man. Just like today. Just like today. Man, maybe, <laughs> yeah, America is very much so like Rome. It's very true. Yes, in many ways it is. Yeah. Um, and then number five, our fifth pagan tradition. Five out of five. Five out of five. Is Christmas tree decorating. Oh, yay. And our Christmas tree is still up and decorated. Yes, it is. Very pretty. It is very pretty. We had quite a Christmas tree mishap this year. Yeah, should we tell them? Yeah, we should tell. We should be honest. Let's just be honest. So we wanted to save like what, like <laughs> 60, 70 bucks by yeah. instead of going to a Christmas tree lot, we went to just local Ralphs. We did get our tree at Ralphs. We're confessing this here and now. Yeah. So <laughs> you know. And tell them what happened. So <laughs> we're like, wow, this is great. Like we found a really. Good, it's a pretty tree. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's still wrapped up and everything. And we're like, wow, it's like literally half price. Why doesn't everybody do this? Why doesn't everyone and get their trees at Ralph's? When we brought it home, we, or actually before we even brought it home, like they didn't like help us like put it on top of our car or anything right. like that. Like it's they Ralph's. Do it. Yeah, it's Ralph's. They don't care. The, the woman was like, yeah, just like grab the thing. And she just so not helpful, first of all. Oh, for anyone who isn't familiar with Ralph's, that's our grocery chain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. It's our just... supermarket. Yeah, it's just a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got our Christmas tree there. We were loading it in the back. My car was like kind of like shoving it in there. Yeah. Um, it was my car is still dirty from that, funny enough. But anyways, we got home and <laughs> we realized, oh, 
We there's no like hole at the bottom of the tree for the stand. We had a stand from last year. Again, yeah. last year we were like we're gonna be smart and save money and we're not gonna buy another Christmas tree stand. Right. So we did not buy one at Ralph's. We thought we were so smart. We come home and we're like, how do you put the the tree in the stand? Yeah. We had to Google it, and that's when we're like, there's no hole. There's no hole, and that we had to borrow... My dad's drill. Yeah, your dad's drill, but the drill bit wasn't thick enough. Yeah. So we had to drill, like, multiple holes, and it, it <laughs> we kind of made it to work, but it wasn't deep enough where, like, the, the, the tree could drink. Yes. So there's still, like, a reservoir of water that's long, kind of l- lounging down there for weeks now. Long story short... Our point in telling you this is that yes. our tree can't stand on its own. So we oh, actually had to prop it up against the wall. Yes. And it doesn't get any water. So it's been slowly dying since day one. Well, I guess it's always been slowly dying. But like... It's more faster. rapidly dying then. <laughs> yeah. Not slowly. And so it's just like like pushed up against the wall. It's going to be brown soon. Yeah. So our moral of this story is please go to the Christmas tree lot and let them just put the freaking stand on it yeah, for you. It's, it's honestly worth the extra like 60 or 70 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. But something that is nice about our tree is that we have lots of meaningful ornaments on yes. it. And that oh, back to the story. leads me to why we do that. Oh, snap. So greenery of all sor- sorts during wintertime has been a decoration for many cultures as it has symbolized the triumph of life over death. Oh, okay. This is why we have garland and Mm. we make wreaths. Even the ancient Egyptians um, would bring greenery into their home during this time to symbolize as like a way to worship Ra. Yeah. And to symbolize the triumph of life over death. Oh, wow. So we're going really old school. Really old school. Everyone's been doing this. You guys get with the program if you don't do this already. (laughs) (laughs) But decorating a tree with ornaments is really an interesting concept, right? Like it's one thing to bring greenery into your home because it makes it look nice. But then to put little stuff on it is really cute. And also like a full blown like tree like a big tree. <laughs> bring a tree and i mean we do have like a it. banana leaf tree in here but like it's different i feel like yes yes i agree yeah um but once again we're gonna go back to the romans my boys let's romans go and saturnalia romans yes. also hung small metal ornaments on trees outside of their homes this isn't necessarily like a christmas tree right but right. on trees near their homes they would put little metal ornaments and each of these ornaments represented a god, either Saturn or the family's personal patron god, right? Like yeah. families had altars and stuff. They'd worship specific deities. So they'd put stuff out to honor Saturn and other deities. And then early Germanic tribes similarly practiced uh, tree decorating, but they would do it with fruits and candles to honor Odin throughout the winter solstice. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So real, real fall far back germans and i also think that germany is where we get kind of like our modern our most it's the most closely related to our modern day idea of a christmas tree oh okay i think they took that from like their germanic ancestors and the romans and and now you know people use cranberries to decorate their tree ornaments dried fruit so we kind of combined both traditions i love it and that's how we have a decorated tree inside our house in the winter. Yeah, but only for like a month or so. Only for like a month or, a month or so. Or a month and a half, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I know. It is so like, strange. Like when you stop to think about it, it's really weird. I cut this down this thing that I found outside and I brought it inside and I decorated it. And now I keep it and then I throw it away. 
Like, what a strange idea. But it does make the home feel so special and homey. It does. I really love that even our propped up tree. <laughs> our very ill, ill-prepared ill tree. Yeah, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Well, weirdos, Andrew, weirdo, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> That was incredible. <laughs> Whoever you are, uh, yeah. those are the five pagan Christmas traditions oh, well, that we have. That was that was clapping for you. Thank you yes. so much. Yeah, I love that. There were a lot more, you, you all. I would definitely recommend Googling it. Um, a really quick, like, random aside is the Christmas tree star mm-hmm. is actually, like, the pagan pentagram. Pagans would put that on the... No. And then we put it as, like, a tree topper on top. Now we have a doggy angel. We do have a dog angel on ours, so we don't have a, a pentagram. But next we year do. we'll have a pentagram. Yeah, sorry, dog angel. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope this was a little bit different. Um, so let us know what you thought. We yeah. were we're you know catering this to what you all think is interesting. Um, I found the subject really interesting, and that's why I wanted to share it. But we would mm-hmm. love to hear your feedback. Yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. And also, we just wanted to do something a little bit special for our 30th episode. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited. Um, I mean, I can't believe it's been 30, even despite like the very long hiatus we had. Yes. It kind of came pretty quickly. And then, you know, sooner or later, we're going to have our 50th. Exactly. And if you if you all have any ideas for like... Um, big milestone episodes, things that we could do, or questions that you would like us to answer, please let us know. Yes, and you can find us, actually, and you can send these questions to our email, which is uh, historyforweirdos at gmail.com, mm-hmm. or on our Instagram, at historyforweirdos. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else I'm missing? Please rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, Share you. this with anyone who you think may enjoy it. And we do appreciate the lovely emails we get. We apologize if we take some time to answer. We both just get really bogged down with like our work emails, to be honest. And we yeah. all get a little email fatigue. But we love it, and we will respond. Yes, we will. Until the next time, weirdos. Until next time, weirdos. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah, happy New Year and happy belated holidays. Happy solstice. Happy solstice, y'all. <laughs> Bye, weirdos. Adios. <laughs>